Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing all right? <laughs> well, good. My name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful that I'm here this morning. I especially love this series because if you know anything about me, I love going to the movies. I have seen, and probably in the last couple of years, I've probably seen about 50 movies in the movie theater. Now, that's actually kind of a step down. I used to go a lot more frequently, but I, I don't know. I found my life's been a little busier, so I don't get to go as, as often as I would like, but I still I'm a, I love going to the movies, and I have a low bar for movies. Like, it doesn't have to be great cinema. They don't, this doesn't need to be Academy Award-winning acting. I don't care anything about the lighting. But if the trailer looks good, then I'm probably going to go to the movie. And, and if I can escape for a couple hours and just be entertained for a couple hours, and for me, it was a good movie. Sometimes, however, you see a trailer, and then you go to the movie, and what you see is not what you get. It's very different than what you saw. In fact, this happened to me a few years ago. I was with a, a couple of friends, and it was a Friday night, and we're deciding what movie should we see. And so we just said, you know what, let's just go to the theater. We went to AMC. We didn't look up anything online. And we just decided, let's pick a movie. Well, there wasn't any blockbuster that was open at that time. Um, no, no big kind of action flick. And so the, my two buddies, they were kind of debating between two different movies. And I look at the names, and I see a name of a, the, uh, of a movie. I had seen the trailer, and I, it looked really interesting to me. So I, I talked these guys into this movie, because it looked like a horror, thriller, suspense type of movie. We go inside, I get my popcorn, get my coat, get my Twizzlers, we sit down. Crowd starts walking in, and it's not your typical horror, suspense, thriller type of movie, but I'm thinking, all right, so it's maybe not your normal crowd, but the, the, the trailer looks great. So the movie starts playing, and pretty early on, this romance starts happening. Now, that's pretty typical for, for thriller action kind of movies because what will happen is there'll be some romance, the guy will fall in love with the girl, and the girl either gets kidnapped or gets killed, and then the action hero will then either like rescue her or gets revenge. Kind of, I mean, it's a very formulaic type of deal. I've seen a lot of movies. They all follow a pattern. And so romance starts blossoming, not a concern. Romance continues to grow. There's no kidnapping. Romance continues to grow. There's no killing. Now we're like two-thirds of the way into the movie, and my, these guys that I went with, they kind of just look at me, and they're like mouthing at me, Alex, what have you done? The movie ends. There was never any kidnapping. There was never any killing. There was never any action. The lights come on. We are the only guys in this entire theater in fact, everyone else was either a teen or a preteen girl. I, I, I felt a little like a creeper. Not going to lie to you. Like I was, it was really kind of awkward. The movie, in case you're wondering, Twilight. Yeah, I took my, my, these, my guy friends to go see Twilight, which turns out to be probably one of the greatest like, teen romance like girl movies ever in the history of teen romance girl movies. And I still haven't lived it down. I still feel a little weird about having gone to this movie. But go back and look. Google the trailer, the first trailer. It looks like an action horror vampire flick. I'm just, I promise you it does. But um, sometimes what you see is, is not what you get. 
And that's kind of the premise of the Men in Black series that we're, we're kind of looking at today, um, or at least it's our launching point. Men in Black, the, there's four, been four movies. The most recent one came out just a few weeks ago, Men in Black International. And, but they all have different plots, but very similar uh, premise, which is there are aliens living among us. We don't, we just don't know it, right? It's, there's more going on than meets the eye. In fact, I love this clip from the very first Men in Black where Will Smith realizes for the first time that there are aliens among us. Take a look. <laughs> I love the look on Will Smith's face when like that alien's head grows back because Will Smith has lived in New York City his entire life and he has been a police detective for a long time and he's even interacted with this guy for quite a while and yet he never realized that there were alien, aliens among us. This is like the first time his eyes were open. Now, the movie's fiction, right? It, 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 there aren't aliens living among us as far as we know. Um, however, we do know that there are things that we can't see, but that impact us. For example, take oxygen, right? Can't see it, can't smell it, can't taste it. But if we go without it for more than a few minutes, we are literally dead. Or when I was growing up, I used to love to go sailing. And when you're on the water, right, you can't see the wind, but the wind is critical to, to what you do. In fact, like, it's only the wind power that you use to, to move you and to, to impact and to affect you. And without the wind, literally you are dead in the water. You're not going anywhere. And, and, and then there's this, uh, this docudrama that I watched on HBO recently. There was a, uh, a five-part series called Chernobyl. And it was really, really well done. But it's this kind of a fiction, well, it's not fictional, but uh, a visual account of something that really happened in the 80s. So in the 80s in the Soviet Union, there was a nuclear power plant that exploded. And the, the director was trying to kind of show the impact of the radiation and kind of how it starts spreading. So take a look at what he does there's a group of people on this bridge. They're actually looking at the nuclear power plant, which is kind of ex has exploded. And then um, you'll see kind of what he does to kind of show this radiation starting to, to, to come their way. Take a look. Radiation is another one of those forces that we can't see, but that impacts us. And, and the, the directors had this challenge of how do we show that radiation is spreading for miles around and impacting people innocently, people who don't realize that they're being affected by it. And so what they do is they have this scene that, that they, they showed on the screen. And, and what you see, that thing that looks like snow, that's not actually the radiation. You can't see the radiation, but it's some of the nuclear fallout. And, and they just wanted to show that ordinary families, animals, vegetation, everything is being impacted. And it turns out that, and this is in real life, that 1,000 square miles had to be evacuated. A lot of it is still evacuated today. Some of it will not be habitable for hundreds of years because of the impact of radiation. And they say that the premature death toll due to the radiation that spread, just on humans, was upwards to a million people. So we know that there are things that we can't see, but that impact us anyway. Well, what's true in the physical world 
is also true in the spiritual world. There are things and there are forces and that we can't see, but that impact us anyway. Today, I want to look at something written by the Apostle Paul. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard the name of Paul, you, probably, you may know some things about Paul. Um, if you haven't gone to church, if this is your first time or, or, or you just um, haven't been in a while, you may not know a whole lot about, about Paul. So just to kind of give everyone a little bit of background about him, Paul was a contemporary of Christ. He was around the same time that Christ was. He knew about the crucifixion of Christ. Um, he didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. He didn't believe um, that Jesus was the Savior of the world, certainly wasn't his personal Savior. In fact, he did not believe this so much. He tried to extinguish Christianity before it got, uh, it spread too much. He wanted to, to like, I'm going to crush this, this fake religion before it gets too big. Anytime a group of Christians would start gathering, a little church would kind of get started. Paul would come, he'd hear about it. He would have those people arrested and even have some of those people executed. In fact, he did his job so well that the the Christians, when they they heard that Paul was going to be coming, would go into hiding and they would be terrified. Then one day, something happened to Paul in the spiritual realm that impacted him physically and changed the entire trajectory of his life. It changed how he thought. It changed the actions that he took. Um, He had an encounter with Jesus, a spiritual encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. And now he started, he believed in the resurrection and and Christ was his personal savior. And it, it impacted him so much that Paul, the original, uh, the guy who wanted to destroy the church, had a huge impact. In fact, if you talk to modern historians today, they will say there's one person with the exception of Jesus that is most responsible for the spread of Christianity throughout the world. And that guy's name is Paul. Paul also wrote about half of the New Testament, which is the part of the Bible that that takes place after Jesus came on the earth. And and here's the challenge, though, especially if you've been in church for any length of time. It's very easy to think of Paul as a super-Christian. And the problem with that is that we aren't. And so, since I'm not a super Christian, since you're not a super Christian, the the challenge is it's hard to relate to a super Christian if you're not one. But the truth is, Paul was not a super Christian. He had the same struggles that we have. He had the same thoughts that we have. In fact, I want to just read to you some of the, the struggles and some of these thoughts that, that he had. And just let me know if you've ever had any of these. So we're going to put a few of these on the screen. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Anyone here ever been overwhelmed and, and, and just in such despair that you didn't think you could, you could maybe go another day, anyone? Yeah, Paul did too. Here's another one. No one stood by me the first time I defended myself. All deserted me. Anyone here ever felt abandoned and alone? Yeah, Paul did too. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Anyone here ever felt that internal struggle? Anyone here ever lost that internal struggle? 
Yeah, Paul did too. Listen a little more to how he continues to describe that struggle. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Right, so Paul's just just describing the struggle. And what word does he use to describe the struggle? War. He says that that there's a war going on, that it's not just a struggle. There's actually a spiritual battle that happened inside of us. It happened even to Paul. Nobody escapes. Nobody gets a free pass. We all have to do battle in the spiritual realm. The struggle is real. The battle is real. It's not visible in the physical world. But it's just as real and it impacts us just the same. So if there is this internal battle, if there's this war, how do we fight battles? How do we fight in the physical world? Well, we got to have weapons, right? In fact, uh, look at this clip from Men in Black where they need to take a spaceship down and see what they use. So they shoot down this spaceship. They didn't use normal guns. Why not? Right, because when you're fighting aliens, you like need some alien-powered guns. Well, the same is true in our spiritual uh, battles. We don't use regular weapons. We need spiritual weapons. In fact, listen to what Paul writes. This is in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So Paul, he's just writing what we've been talking about. Hey, right, we, we have spiritual battles, um, and, and now in the spiritual battle, there are spiritual weapons. And, and the great thing is what he says about it. He says, look, the weapons are powerful, right? They, they, the power doesn't come from us. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power, which is power that comes from the divine or power that comes from God. And it says it's used to demolish strongholds. Right, well, what's a stronghold? Well, another word for stronghold is a fortress. Right? So in other words, Satan is building these, these fortresses or these strongholds in our minds that we can't see physically, but are just as real and impact is just the same. So what kind of fortresses does Satan build in our minds? Well, let's keep reading, see what Paul has to say. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, right? So we're, we got to demolish these strongholds. Then he goes on to say, what are the strongholds? Well, we de- what we demolish are arguments and every pretension or kind of every false belief that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So it's, it goes against God's truth, against the knowledge of him. So if something is a false belief and, and something goes against the knowledge of God or goes against God's truth, what do we call something that goes against the truth or that's a false belief? We call it a lie. Right? So, so the fortresses in our minds that Satan likes to build are built on lies. What kind of lies? What, what kind of lies does Satan like to, like to build in our minds? Well, lies like this. I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. I'm all alone. I'm a failure. Jesus call Satan the father of lies. But he not only lies to us, he builds a fortress or a stronghold of lies in our minds. How does he do it? One lie at a time. 
Just like you build a physical fortress one brick at a time, it doesn't pop up overnight. The strongholds in our mind don't pop up overnight. They're built one small lie at a time. And listen, one lie is easy to dismiss, but once it's been built into this stronghold in your mind, it's difficult to dislodge. That's why it's a struggle. That's why you feel that tension and that struggle. And it's so hard because there's this fortress. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life being influenced or affected by a fortress of lies. So how do we fight and destroy this fortress? Right? Paul says we have to use divine weapons. And, and he doesn't tell us what the weapon is in this passage, but there's another place. He writes another letter, and he describes a whole spiritual armor. And this is in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not going to go through the entire armor. It starts in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. I don't have time to go through all of it. But at the end of everything, as he's describing the helmet and the breastplate and all this other stuff, he then describes one offensive weapon. And when you go on the attack to, to take down a fortress, you need to be on the offensive. So you need to use the offensive weapon. What weapon is that? Let's look at um, the end of verse 17 there. <clears throat> it says... And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right? So the one weapon, it's a sword, but it, it's not any sword. It has divine power because it's a sword from God's Holy Spirit. And he says that, that sword is the Word of God. Why is the Word of God the key weapon that we need to use to demolish these fortresses? Well, how do you overcome a lie? You overcome a lie with the truth. But it's not just any truth. You need to use objective truth because it's got to be a truth that's outside of your mind. Because if Satan has built a fortress in your mind that has been these, this small lie after small lie after small lie, then you need a, a, a truth that's outside of your mind because you might be believing the lie. You may think that's true, what you're believing, because you've believed it for so many years. Our minds can lie to us. I'm going to prove to you that our, our minds can lie to us. And... and I don't want to cause any arguments. I don't want, when I show you this example, I don't want there to be any dis, like heavy discussion on your drive home. But does anyone remember the dress? Anyone remember the dress from a few years ago? Right? Here's the deal. What color is this dress? When I see it, I can tell you what I see is white and gold. I'm looking right now, I see white and gold. My wife looks at that, she sees blue and black. Now, mine's lying to one of us. You know, it's either lying to her or it's lying to me, but it can't be both, it's one or the other. Well, here's the deal, how do, how do we then know what color it really is? You go to the person who created it. And the person that created it, here's what they say objectively, it is a royal blue lace bodycon dress from Roman originals. It is blue and black in color. In fact, they made the dress in red and black, pink and black, ivory and black, and blue and black. Guess what color they didn't make? White and gold. That, does not, that color dress does not even exist. But I look at it and I can tell you it looks like white and gold. Our minds can lie to us. And what happens physically can happen spiritually as well. Satan has told us little lie after little lie, after little lie, to the point where he builds this fortress of lies in our minds, and we don't even question them as lies because we don't recognize them. We accept it as true, even though it's not really true. Let me give you another example. All right, any sneakerheads in, in the room? Anyone just love sneakers? 
We got a few. We got a few. All right. So let's say you have a you you just you love Air Jordans. Let's say you collect Air Jordans. And so year after year, when a new model comes out, you go to the same retailer, you buy the shoe or the same website, and you're buying it year after year. You've got kind of your whole collection set up there. And then one day you're reading, and you read that the place you've been buying it from, the people have been arrested for selling counterfeits. Now, for years, you have believed that your Air Jordans were genuine. You've even made decisions based on the fact that they were genuine, right? You paid a premium price for something that now turns out may not be genuine at all. How do you even know if it's, if it's real or if it's counterfeit? You got to go to the creator, the one who designed the shoes. You go to Nike and you compare what you have to what objectively is true, and then you'll be able to tell whether that's a fake or whether that's true. Satan has built a fortress of lies in our minds, bombarding us with small lie after small lie after small lie. So small, we don't recognize them as lies. I mean, you look at that throughout Scripture, that's what he does. He'll take a little bit of truth and he, he twists it just enough that it's not true. But to demolish this, God has given us a weapon, his word, the Bible, right? And why is this so important? Well, because the creator of the universe, the one who created you, the one who designed you, the one who loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die for you, has given us this book so that we can know the truth and the truth can set us free from the fortress of lies that are in our minds. And he tells us that this is, this is the weapon to fight the spiritual battle that we have. So with the rest of the time um, we have left, I, I want to get very practical on how you wield this weapon to demolish those fortress of lies. First, to know the lie, you have to know the truth. To know the lie, you have to know the truth. What do I mean? Well, if you've been living with a lie for years, how do you even know that, that what you're believing is false, right? If you never had any, any reason, any doubt to question that these were genuine. So, so what do we need to do? Well, let's go back to 2 Corinthians again in that passage where it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension or every lie that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So to, to even know that there's a battle to fight, to know that there are arguments and there are pretensions, we have to get to know God. You know, we got, we got to understand, you know, it says the knowledge of God. And, and if we don't do that, then we're just going to go on thinking and believing what we believe. And it may be true or it may not be true. We just, we won't know. So how do you know that there's even a fortress you need to demolish? Well, you read and understand what God says about himself. And then as you read the Bible, when you come up with something that's different from what you believe, <clears throat> you then have two choices. You can dismiss it. You can say, you know, I don't believe that. And guess what? That's one of those little lies that Satan will tell you to kind of reinforce that stronghold in your mind. Or as you read it, you can say, you know, I thought this about God or I thought this about myself. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me keep reading because maybe this is a stronghold that Satan is using to attack me. So to know the lie, you have to know the truth. And what do you need to do then? You need to read your Bible daily. All right, read your Bible daily. That's how you get to know God better. Listen, if, if I spent one hour on Sunday mornings with my wife, and that's the only time I spent with her, there would be some misunderstandings, 
right? I, I would have some misunderstandings on what she's thinking and what she thinks about me. But the more time I spend with her, the more, the more narrow that gap of misunderstanding becomes. And that's true. You guys know it's true. It's true with your spouse, and it's true with any relationship that you have. And God is no different. The more time you spend with him, the more you get to know him. So very practically, what, what, do I, what, are, what should you do? How can I encourage you to do this? Well, let me, let me encourage you to do this starting tomorrow. I'm going to do it as well. First thing I want you to do is, if you haven't done already, on your smartphone, download the Version app of the Bible. It's got that little icon. You can't, it's not that big there, but just type Version. You will find it. It's the best Bible app that I have found out there. You may have a different one. I'm just letting you know that one's a great one if you don't have one. Then I want you to go and look for the Bible translation or the Bible version NLT. Here it is. The truth is the Bible, the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew. The New Testament um, was written in Greek. We don't speak Hebrew and Greek. And so um, someone had to take that and translate it into English. There have been many, many translations over time. The first one was, you know, in uh, the 1600s. We don't speak like Shakespearean English anymore. So that one's kind of harder to understand. And so... Uh, one of the easier ones that I found is NLT. So let me encourage you to change the version to NLT. And then starting tomorrow, read one chapter in the book of Luke every day. If you do that, then and let's say you miss a day or two here, you know, for whatever reason. That's fine. We're not talking about being dogmatic about it. It's just spend consistent time. But if you do that, in a month you will have read through the book of Luke. As you read through, though, here's the important part. I want you to ask yourself two questions. The first question, does this change what I think about God? And the second question, does this change what I think about me? Does this change what I think about God? Or does this change what I think about me? Because if you answer yes to either one of those questions, that's an indication there may be a stronghold in that area in your life. And so as you do that, and as you think, is this a stronghold? And as that gets confirmed, and you determine, yes, this is a stronghold or a fortress of lies that's been building in my mind, what do you do next? What do you do about that? Well, what does Paul say? He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, you have to demolish those thoughts. You have to go on the offensive. You got to take that, that stronghold down brick by brick, lie by lie. How do we do that? Well, we know the weapon. The weapon hasn't changed. It's the Word of God. So how do we use this, right? The first one is to know the lie, you have to know the truth. And this one, to attack the lie, you use the truth. To attack the lie, use the truth, right? So as you've been reading your Bible and you're getting to know God better and you're, you're getting to know yourself better because you're reading what the Creator, the one who made you, the one who designed you, the one who loved you, what He has to say about you, um, when you come to a stronghold, you're like, okay, I've been reading this just kind of going through the book of Luke. Boom, this is a stronghold in my life. What do I do about it? Now you have to attack it specifically. You, you got to make like a surgical strike on that area. And so now you, you got to just, don't just keep reading it um, like this chapter, this chapter. Now you need to find something that attacks that specific stronghold. Let me tell you what that looks like practically. Probably the, the greatest creation, with the exception of, you know, what God gave us his word, but the greatest creation recently to help us demolish these strongholds, Google. Google it, 
right? So let me give you an example. Let's just say that um, you feel like you can't move forward because of stuff you've done in your past. You feel like there's no way God can love me because I have done this or um, because um, I've done this over and over and over again. Um, I don't even love myself. I can't forgive myself. How would God ever forgive me? There's just no way. Well, then you Google Bible verse, I am defined by my past, or something like that. You know, Google can figure you out, right? So you, you Google something like that, and then the, something like this is, I, I Googled Bible verse, I'm defined by my past. You're going to get a bunch of links. Find one of the links that have actual Bible verses. Don't go to what someone says about it. That may be good later, but start with what God has to say about that. And so let, just listen to some of the verses that talk about Bible verse, I'm defined by my past. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if I think God doesn't love, doesn't care, can't use me in the future because of what I've done in the past, that is a fortress that you need to knock down day by day, brick by brick. What does God's word say? What does the weapon that he gave us say about this lie? So you read those verses. And then as you read those verses, I want you to think two things. If God says, then. If God says, then. In other words, uh, you take if God says, and then you put in the verses you just read, but you personalize them to yourself. Then. So w- w- let, me, let me give you an example. Let me, or let me put that meat on the bone. If God says, I have been crucified with Christ, and Christ is now living in me, if he said there is no condemnation of me because I am in Christ, um, if he says I am a new creation, then my past does not define me, period. Right? I have now can live in the freedom of knowing that God loves me regardless of my past, and I can move forward without this guilt that has been weighing me down and without this lie that has been keeping me from doing and living the kind of life that God wants me to live. Each day, find time to chip away at that fortress using specific verses, day by day. You know, it's not going to get knocked down on day one. It's not going to get knocked down on day two. It's not going to get knocked down on week one, (laughs) month one. may take more than a year. Why? Because the fortress was built in your mind over time, years and years and years of lies. Little lies built one on top of the other. And so the promise from God isn't that it'll go away instantaneous, but the promise of God is if you use the divine weapon he has given you, you can and will demolish that stronghold. So to attack the lie, you need to use the truth. Find specific verses that deal with your specific stronghold. One more way to use this weapon in this spiritual battle Paul says, take, every, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
Now, how is this different than demolishing a stronghold? Well, you demolish a stronghold on your own timing, right? You know, you've recognized an area, you're, you're proactively attacking that area every day to demolish that stronghold. And, and maybe for you, uh, you know, you've got these verses and you're doing the if God says then, you do that first thing in the morning, or maybe you have better luck in the evening, or you've got time in your lunch break. Whenever you do that, you're doing it on your timing. And guess what? Sometimes thoughts come to you, these lies, at a different time. Why? Well, because when you're starting to take down that fortress, guess who doesn't like it? Satan. So he's going to sit back behind that fortress, and he's going to lob these lies at you at times that are going to be the most impactful to you that where you're the weakest, because he knows when those, those times are, and he knows when, exactly where to hit you. And if you don't have, um, if you don't take those thoughts captive at that time, and, and those lies come into your mind, guess what you're going to do? You've kind of been programmed for years, like these neural pathways have kind of burned in. You're going to start following and, and being impacted by those lies again. So what do you do then if you're, these thoughts are going to come at different times? To capture the lie, you have to recall the, tru the, the truth. To capture the lie, you recall the truth. Practically, what do I mean by that? Memorize scripture. You gotta memorize scripture because um, uh, when, the, when those thoughts and those lies come, you have to have something at the ready. And, and if you don't, you're gonna move in that, in that way because like I said, Satan's choosing the right time for maximum impact. So you need to memorize scripture. Now, I know when I say that, some of you are thinking, okay, Alex, you said we were going to be real practical. And I'm just telling you practically, I can't memorize scripture. Okay, I want to press into that assumption again, because I think that's another one of those lies that Satan will use to reinforce that stronghold in your mind. Um, in fact, once again, I want to give you a little example. I, I think you can. I'm going to put some words on the screen, and there's going to be kind of a blank. And when um, we get to that blank, I want you to fill in the blank out loud. Out loud, all right? Ready? Let's go with the first one. And you love the game. Right. Okay, so we know who our Swifties are out there now. Um, all right, let me, let me do another one. Take a look. Okay, um, yeah, some of you who've got young kids or, you know, just big Disney fans. One more that if you didn't know either one of those, I can almost guarantee you've got this one down. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. Right, see? Listen, listen. If you can memorize song lyrics, you can memorize scripture. How do you memorize a song lyric? It's repetition, right? You, you hear it. Hundreds of times, maybe, if, if you had young kids and it was frozen, probably a million times. But um, you, you just, you keep listening to it over and over. Let me tell you a great way to kill two birds with one stone. In your time when you're demolishing the stronghold and you've got these different specific verses for that stronghold, pick one. Then I want you to do this with that one. Find the verse on the YouVersion Bible app. Take a screenshot. Save it to your camera roll. Set it as your lock screen and your home screen. I know you got your picture of your husband or your wife or your kids, but for a period of time, just make this your home screen and lock screen. And every time you look at your phone, 
Read the verse. Don't swipe past it. Don't, you know, face, thumb, whatever. Just read the verse. It will probably take you hundreds of times to do that before you memorize the verse. But listen what the uh, studies from 2017, the study shows that we look at our phone on average 80 times a day. The average person looks at their smartphone 80 times a day. If 80 times a day you read that verse, it's not going to take long for you to memorize that verse. Read your Bible daily. Find verses that deal with your specific stronghold. Memorize scripture. What if we all did this? How, how might our lives be different if we just trust what God has to say and, and take actions in this spiritual battle? You know, I want to go back to Paul because, I, as I mentioned, he's not a super Christian. He had the same thoughts and the same struggles we did. We read some of them. I want to read those struggles again, but then I want to <clears throat> continue the verses, and I want you to see the impact that God's truth had had on his life. Take a, take a look in the first one. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. He felt crushed. He felt overwhelmed, but he did not let that despair overtake him. Instead, he let it kind of spur him to say, you know what? I've got a God who raises the dead. And if I stop believing the lies in my mind and I stop relying on those fortresses of lies and I start relying only on God, I know that he will get me through this. How about the next one? No one stood by me the first time I defended myself. All deserted me. May God not count it against them, but the Lord stayed with me and gave me strength. Paul felt abandoned and alone. But here's what he knew. He knew those feelings were lies. He knew that God would never abandon him, would never forsake him, and God gave him the strength to make it through in this difficult time. Last one, I don't really understand myself or I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. <clears throat> oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul faced the same struggles that we face, had the same battle, lost some of those battles. He knew there was a spiritual battle taking place inside of him. He realized even though there is a struggle, there was an answer to that struggle. That answer had a name, and his name is Jesus. And he knew that because of what Jesus had done, and therefore, we know that because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, because he died on the cross for our sins, we have the power to overcome this battle because God has already given us the victory. We just need to believe it. We need to trust him, and we need to use the weapon that he gave us. Let's pray.